Well, welcome to your Velvet Ashes Legacy Podcast. We're so excited to share with you this month. Our interview is with Jenny Erlingson. Sarah, tell us a little bit about Jenny. Yeah, so Jenny is part of the Velvet Ashes writing team. She and her family serve in Iceland. She's there with her Icelandic husband and her four sweet kiddos. She is also a writer and has had several books published. Uh, she's also a publisher. She helps sort of birth books for other women, especially women on the field. And she just has an amazing heart. She's also a gifted speaker and just speaks into so many different areas, brings encouragement. Um, and she also serves on the Velvet Ashes board. So um, we just love Jenny and love all of the gifts that she brings to the Velvet Ashes community. And and that she so freely shares them. She's amazing. And so yeah. let me tell you why we wanted to have this conversation with Jenny today. And honestly, we struggled with what to title it because here's the deal is sometimes we come to the field with gifts and sometimes God grows those gifts in us to a place where they maybe actually start generating some income. And that's a complicated thing when you live on the field and you're on support. And how do you communicate that to your supporters? How do you wrestle internally with how to use those funds well? And so Jenny sits in that space and she does it well. And she brings so much clarity to the conversation um, and so we kind of go there. We go there with about the complications of generating income. We go there with, even if it doesn't generate income, if God placed a gift in your heart, right? allow it to grow and see what he does with it and and the doors that it could potentially open for ministry. And we talk right. about sometimes that the people you are ministering to aren't the only audience that God had in mind when he called you to the field and it could be broader than you even expected. Right. Yeah. And what does it look like even just to have that space for those things that are really life-giving for us that we wouldn't specifically label as ministry, you know, but um, are a way that we can actually worship Jesus because of those, those things that he has put in our hearts. And wrestling with is it okay to give space to that? If, if I'm doing this because it's right. life-giving to me, does it take away from what I should be spending time on mm-hmm. and people are supporting me to be here? It's just such a good, needed conversation, but it's hard to narrow it down into a title that communicates everything that this conversation is about today. So we won't keep you from hearing it anymore. It's so good. We want you to tune in and be blessed by it. So sit back and get ready to enjoy our conversation with Jenny Erlingson. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to the conversation we're going to have. I'm so grateful for your willingness to just share from your life bits of encouragement that honestly, we don't often have a platform or a place to to do in our community. So this is this is fantastic. So Jenny, first of all, you're coming to us from Iceland. And as we record this, there's some stuff happening. Do you want to talk a little bit just about, you know, maybe how we might be able to continue to pray for Iceland and what's happening there? Yes, definitely. And of course, it's so good to be on with you and to be a part of this. And I love listening to the podcast, of course, from Iceland and and just getting encouraged by so many different women and stories. And yes, I currently serve in Iceland. My husband is Icelandic. 
my kids are part Icelandic, but as we speak, you know, people talk in spiritual terms about the ground shifting and there's a shaking and a move and the fire of the Lord. When you live on a land where that's like really literal, you know, it's, um, it's funny because there was a song, this really amazing uh, hip hop song actually called God Moves by Fire, God Answers by Fire. And I thought, oh, I want to share this. So I was like, you know what? This would be pretty, um, not really a good time to share this because we are having a ton of seismic, seismic activity Iceland is on top of the European and North American continental plates. That that line literally goes through Iceland. Thingvellir National Park is where you can walk through the two continents, basically, um, and it's always pulling apart. So that means there's tons of you know volcanic activity. I think Iceland is the most volcanic, like active um, country in Europe. So with that being said, we have an area, the peninsula that our airport is on, and the Blue Lagoon, if you've heard of that, is on. It's been active um, for the past few years, starting in 2021. We had lava fissure go up, and we call that our tourist volcano because so many people were, you were able to hike and sit kind of a distance away, but see it in person up close, this beautiful, um, tame lava fountain, you know, coming up and forming this little mini cute um, volcano, like your science project volcano. Um, But so each year we've had more lava, 21, 22, 23. And then now again, here we are where... The problem is that it is affecting a village, a fishing village, Mm. and they had so much seismic activity. I mean, we're talking about thousands upon thousands of uh, earthquakes um, happening where the village, part of it has sunk about a meter. There are little cracks and fissures in the ground that you can see. Um, Some of them, I've, I've seen people drop like a coin in the crack and not really hearing, you know, where it's falling. And so there's the fear that potentially... Um, lava could erupt close to it or actually in the middle of this village, which is just, I think, mind boggling because, you know, Mm. there's been nothing for 800 years. So, so that's what's going on right now. So um, we're just waiting. We're holding our breath. The people have been evacuated. So all of Iceland is physically safe, but we're just waiting to see what's going to happen to that area and the infrastructure that's a part of that area. Yeah. Yeah. What a time for ministry. I'm so glad that you and your husband are there um, during this time. And, you know, so you know, we, as we, you know, hear this, I just hope that you're prompted to pray. And whenever this releases, you know, this could be old news and we could know so much more, but I just wanted to for sure bring up, this is the context from where you're serving and where the Lord Mm -hmm. has placed you and where you use your gifts. And that's what we're here to talk about today is, you know, kind of you um, married your husband and you and your family serve in Iceland. He's, he's a national there. And you came you know, to serve, but also you came with unique gifts that the Lord has continued to cultivate while you are on the field. And Mm so would you just talk a little bit about that journey of what do you do with gifts that the Lord has given you and the complicated feelings you might wrestle with when you serve as, you know, a cross-cultural woman on the field? And does that mean those have to go away or how do you continue to develop those and ask the Lord if this is honoring for the work he's called you to do? Yeah. And those are the very questions I asked myself. You know, when we moved here in 2018, of course, that first year is just you're transitioning, you're getting settled. I had an infant son as well. I have four kids and um, my youngest was an infant. So I was kind of going through that process of, you know, becoming a toddler, basically in a new land, trying to learn this language and everything. But when when a year passed, I really did begin to wrestle because it was like that outlet. I recognized this in 2000, I think in 14 or 15, 
that writing was essentially like my fingerprint of worship. I was going through, mm-hmm. I had just had, had my third child and just really feeling like this, um, I wouldn't say blockage, but just just this um, barrier with me and the Lord. And and I just began to start write, writing and journaling again and all of that. And I don't, I can't explain to you, but it was like the floodgates opened. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, there you are. Now he'd been there. So I don't know right. if it was the overflow of postpartum. I don't know if it was a season, but it just really gave me this just realization of how much this practice, this activity, this gift that um, I've had since I was a child was really a part of my worship, you know, was a part of my communication, was how God then spoke to me, like through journaling and and journaling um, from the overflow of scripture and all of that. And so coming to Iceland, I like I wrestled with that, like, God, can I do this? And can I do this creatively? I had, I had already published a book um, in the States, but I really wrestled with that because you're not just there like you know, you have a nine to five, you're being paid from some outside, you're getting supported by other people, right? And so it's not right. like, I mean, it's so hard because we earn this money. If you want to look at it that way, we people are supporting us to come and to serve in Iceland. But because it was in that sense, I really struggled with if I could write on the field. I had already struggled with that with my first book when I was working in church and working in women's ministry because my book was geared toward women, I thought, can I do this as well, honestly? And that was hard. And I think, honestly, in that season, our church, and many churches do, was wrestling with you know, our different staff people when they have these creative projects or outlets, like, where's the overlap? What is okay? Mm-hmm. What, um, what is creative license and all of that? And so even for me, I never touched that book when I was on my office hours. I wrote it, of course, at nighttime. Um, lunch breaks and all of those things. Um, I, I barely wanted to use my my you know church given laptop you know for it because I didn't right. want the line to be crossed as much as possible, knowing that I'm in a different position as someone who's working with women's ministry and I'm writing this book for women. So I think I still carried lingering doubt and insecurity from that season being over here in Iceland, and I really did wrestle with it, and so. Honestly, and this is what, what I would encourage, first of all, is just get before the Lord and wrestle this out with him and silence the voices of, you know, accusation from the enemy of fear. I deal with fear of man a lot. That's something that I'm usually surrendering to on a daily basis of not um, elevating what other people say or what I think they're saying over what God has said. And so it was around September, I was dealing with that heavily of just like, God, can I do this? I mean, literally weeping before him because I just, I felt the need for to have that outlet, but didn't know if I could. And mm-hmm. we went to a pastor's gathering here in Iceland the same weekend that my church in the States was having the women's conference. And again, I was over that in the past. So I was feeling some kind of way, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just totally in my feelings overall. But we go to this pastor's gathering and one of the missionaries there from England, she said, um, you know, how are you doing to check up on me? And she said, you know, Jenny, you need to write. You need to write. This is a part of you're doing all this and you're in transition. You're serving in this country. You're, there's so many things happening. You need to make sure that you are cultivating that gift um, and cultivating that um, what God's given you. And so mm-hmm. I was I'm so encouraged by that. On the drive back to our house, I started getting these messages from women, some of my friends at the church, and they're like, Jenny, are you paying attention to the conference? I was like, no, you know, we've been out driving, we've been at this pastor's gathering. They're like, well, our, our, you know, our pastor and our pastor's wife, she is speaking about you. And then one of the speakers literally said, 
as she was flying in, and I had met her um, previously at another camp, when she was flying in, she began to think to herself, I wonder what Jenny's doing in Iceland. And I feel like she's in Iceland to write. The God, you're mm. going to you're gonna begin to stir that up in her in Iceland. So here I am, this mm. same weekend, this missionary is giving me this encouragement at the same moment from the stage to the thousands of women gathered at my home church, the one where our support is coming from and coming through, is speaking this from the stage because she was sharing with the women how to hear the voice of the Lord. And so she was using that as an example of how she was hearing from God and then also began to speak. And later after that conference called me and said, hey, I want to bring more clarity to what I said. But she goes, you're there, not, yes, you're, you're with your family, your husband, but you are also there to write. Mm. And God has some things for you to release through you and you need to do that. And when I tell you, I wept. <laughs> I, I bet you did. Oh my goodness! I it wasn't even just the affirmation. It wasn't even just like God, you heard me. You know, you we know God's real, but you have those moments where you're just like, you're really listening. You know, you're really paying attention. But I was like, God, how much you love me? How much right. you love me to care about the desires, the heart desires of 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 me over here, and that even something that maybe feels like is really simple and small, you would encourage and affirm. And so that for me solidified the fact that God, not only do I have a longing to write, I've been called to write. And that I think shifts everything because it's not man's opinion. Then that Mm -hmm. desire is anchored then in what God has said. Jenny, I just want to clarify a little bit because I think it Mm -hmm. will help maybe those who are wrestling with this. The things that you were wrestling with were you know, that you have this gifting, but you're trying to figure out, does it fit in the mold of what I feel like my supporters think I'm doing and should be doing with yeah. my work here? Is that is that kind of accurate of maybe what you're wrestling with? I think both. Yeah. Does it fit in what's happening here, especially as I'm still learning language and all that? Does that, you know, what does that mean here? But also like, and even as I was still even learning, what does it mean to be, you know, this cross-cultural worker and all, or even with my family, I thought like, does every waking moment have to be trying to pursue some ministry or pursue some, because again, I came from full on time staff of a large church ministry. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking like, do I have to be going basically nine to five, like doing all these different things? Do I even have the time to do that? And then if I do, yes, well, my supporters think, well, why are you spending even an hour a day or 30 minutes or why are you spending this time writing, especially then if it gets released, can I market it? Can I promote something? If I'm writing something that I feel like other people are to read, can I even put that out there when I guess I sh- my feed should be full of all the Icelandic stuff, right? You know, so that's mm. what, yes, it was both. Like, does this fit for where I'm at? And also how will this look to my supporting church and the su- people who are supporting us financially? Well, and I think that a lot of us sometimes get into our mind, we are called to be missionaries and we are serving this people. And and we put this little box around, these mm-hmm. are the people, these are the only people I can minister to and reach. And actually, we were just at a conference this weekend and it's something that I had totally forgotten that I had said early on when I was with Velvet Ashes. I can't even remember what platform I said it on, but it was just this fact that, you know, the Lord did call me to this certain area in the world. Mm -hmm. But just the fact that I said yes to go, that my family and I said yes to go in our unique circumstances was ministering to a whole different people group that was calling Mm -hmm. them to question, could I, should I, you know, and so that our lives and what we do 
it's not necessarily just for here. It's a broader yeah. platform. We live in an age where there's a broad platform and everything that we do can cross lines, continents, people, groups, and minister to other people. And so so I feel like that is, you know, something that is just a hard thing for us to cross as women who yeah. serve cross culture. It's who am I supposed to reach? And is it okay if it accidentally tumbles into other platforms yes. and people yes. groups and areas? And and you know, and I understand that there are sending orgs that actually are very well defined. And this is the only thing. This is our we have to remain narrow focused. Yeah. And so what what I hope that we can do is encourage women today to just think outside of the box and to broaden and open what is what is God actually doing and are and are you trying to stuff down something that he has put in you because he has an audience bigger than what you thought yeah you know yeah. for your work as well so okay so you you feel very affirmed in mm-hmm. what the lord has called you to do you are receiving that from him you are receiving that from outside resources resources, I would say. And so I think whenever you get to that point where you're like, there's no question, Lord, this is the direction you're putting me in. You know, what are, what are some of the things that happen next? You know, you mention the fact that your particular gifting generated some income and that can be a complicating factor. Would you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah, it can be. And, and I want to even say to like, to, to go back before I go forward, you know, because I had already had a book beforehand. And so even what happened there, because like you said, like, you know, we're called to a specific place, but this influence a lot of times begins to trickle to other people. And so what happened was that that um, book, you know, one of the, there's a radio station here in Iceland and one of the women who has a show on there, she read it and she said, you know what, you need to do a show. And because, you know, the missionaries who were here before, they had the one English program, like, like, man, after reading this book, I really feel like you need to do this. And that started my husband and I for about two, yeah three years having an English program. And now my husband has an Icelandic program. And so just that what I came with opened doors. And so we forget too that, yeah, God calls us and God doesn't forget who we are and what we carry and what we come with. You know what I mean? Mm. Like there is a level of surrendering, laying down certain things and maybe season shifting, but he still knows who we are. And and it's almost like he's like, that's why I have you there because of, you know, what I'm going to, what you have that I'm going to use. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so that had already had income with it um, a little bit. And then when I decided to independently publish um, my, my second book, you know, that also came with income too. And I really did, you know, really pray, okay, God, how do I do this? Because I don't want to use the money that people are giving us for ministry here for that. And so what I did and what I found to be the most wise decision was taking the money that I already earned from other book sales in the past, use that to then form an LLC, use that to you know open up a business bank account, use that so that I could separate. So that way, all of that money that's coming in from supporters, that's going to, you know, the needs here, what is supposed to our ministry in Iceland, but whatever I, as this, I'm cultivating this gift, I'm cultivating the writing and, and the business part of it as well, helping eventually other people, you know, with their books that that will then funnel through this LLC so that I can keep it separate, have integrity and, and steward it all well. And then too, if somebody decides to suit me, you know, maybe because whatever with my book, then I'm not, you know, that's not spilling over into those other mm-hmm. finances. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that was a really big thing. I really, I'm so glad that I took that step um, and got the advice to take that step 
to kind of form that sort of infrastructure to help protect. I mean, I knew, you know, inwardly like, okay, I'm going to do my best to steward this well, but to have it on paper as well, like this is what I'm doing to separate those funds. And so in that process, talk a little bit about, you know, you have gone on to continue to write books, but how have you also then helped other women who are serving cross-culturally with their giftings? Yeah. You know, I recognize with, again, we all struggle and, and, you know, people may have a job opportunity or may think I need to do this. And whether it's, you have the gifting, you want the outlet or you, you know, you know, you need the finances, but I found that writing is one of the most, um, can I say ancient? That seems too, mm. too deep, deep of a word, but you see this throughout people like Elizabeth Elliot and others who have come from the field, um, who are in the field, and who, I think even Sarah Young, Jesus, am I remembering that correctly? Jesus Calling, like she was a missionary for a while as well. So you have all of this, all these writing. That's how we know the stories, right? This, that's how we know the tales. It is writing. So writing is actually one of the most, I think, integral, significant things that I think people who are working cross-culturally, people who are working in ministry, different places actually do. That's a big part of it. I mean, the texts that we live our lives from, right? The Bible, what are letters written, these missionary letters and journeys. And so um, I realized that, okay, wow, this is actually a really great way without taking up too much time that other people and other women specifically can cultivate their gifts and potentially earn income because I've seen how independent publishing has grown um, mm-hmm. how print on demand is an option. You know, a lot of times publishers, they're doing offset printing. So they're printing thousands upon thousands of copies of a book, but with print on demand that, you know, someone could, and that was me. I was like, you know, how can I do this without spending money basically? So from the putting it together, learning how to use Canva to create a cover, I'm trying to learn some of the software, getting a cheaper price software to, you know, to put books together and all that, that I can actually do this and upload it and not have to worry about even shipping a book, not have to worry about any of that besides the profit. So I began to think like, Lord, like other women on the mission field who are amazing writers who probably won't have an opportunity with a traditional publisher because they're overseas. That was my story too. Mm-hmm. The book before I did it myself, um, I tried to submit it to a publisher but one of the main issues was me being overseas because the bigger audience, you know, is in the States. And so because I'm not going to be traveling or speaking in these places, that was an issue. And so I thought, wow, there are such incredible writers. Velvet Ashes, honestly, that's where um, I've met a, a few already. And to see those blog posts and all those women and think, wow, you are an incredible writer. But if you wanted to write a book, you may not get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And after I helped um, a speaker kind of, I coached her, I helped her ghostwrite her book and helped her form her messages into, into book form. I began to think, oh my goodness, I can do this. And so that's what led to me helping other women and, and walking them through what it means to set up an account and, setting up, you know, if they need to an LLC, but at least their own maybe imprint or whatever to write, to put their book up and to bring in some income. But I think the core thing was to cultivate their call, to Mm -hmm. allow them to be able to tell their story as well. And so uh, that's just been a beautiful, I think, byproduct of it that I didn't even expect um, when I was weeping. (laughs) Right. Well, and I will tell you, so the entire first year of the Velvet Ashes Legacy podcast, Sarah and I highlighted stories of women 
from the past. And we still continue to do that, you know, throughout season two. But what we found was those women who wrote, who wrote their own story, who you had their journals, their books, it was so much easier to tell their story. Mm-hmm. And and just if you don't write, it doesn't mean that you didn't live a worthwhile story. It was just so much harder for us to to use that to encourage future generations because we're struggling to put together the pieces of their story. And so- yeah. Even if it never gets published, it is so important yeah. for women to have the courage if they feel the gift to just to write. And, yeah. and so I'm, I'm so glad that you, you know, founded Milk and Honey Women and you've become a resource for those who like, I don't, I don't have all of the gifts that you have, Jenny. I, I don't want to start my own LLC. I just want to write and I mm-hmm. want help. And, and that's all I can commit to. And so you have become this place where women who maybe want to just take one step, not five, like you did, you know, just one and just start writing. And so, um, so thank you for that. And thank you for just becoming that place. I know you helped and you're the reason that yet we still hope the Velvet Ashes book that was came out a year ago, um, you know, compiled the stories, right? (laughs) It's our book birthday. Yes. And then, you know, we were able to compile, I think it's 42, women and their stories mm-hmm. um, to help make that book possible. And so, yeah. so it's just, you know, your gift has continued to be a blessing, you know, that you have been obedient to that call to say, I didn't, I didn't forget you had this gift when I called you here. It was yeah, part exactly. of you and the package of being called. So one of the things that you have touched on a little bit is, you know, maybe, maybe it is writing, but maybe there are other gifts that women have and it is caused an income generating issue, you know? Mm -hmm. And so would you talk a little bit about, you know, how do you communicate? What, what did you wrestle with? Maybe did you and your husband wrestle with that personally? And what, what do you communicate to your supporters in, in that? And, and so, you know, if it's not just writing, you know, how do you determine, man, is this something I have to do for free just because I'm a missionary or, or can I accept an income for this? needed or, you know, maybe there, there might be women that are saying, I actually don't have a gift. I feel a burning for, but I have this definite call to be here and support is an issue. And I've been given this opportunity to work in a school in a different capacity in the country that I'm called in. How do, how do I communicate and wrestle with that? Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm always, and you guys know when I've talked other places, um, I'm always about the anchor, right? Like, okay, where I'm always like, where are my feet? Are, are my feet anchored in the opinion of men or are my feet anchored in your word, Lord, and in what you've said? I think that's that has to be the core of, of, of the, you know, your initial re- wrestle or, you know, how you move forward is like, God, what are you saying? God, what are you saying about this? What do you have to say? What are the scriptures that are going to help anchor me? Um, and in that, because whether it's writing, whether it's you know, making something and selling, whether it's having like a cafe type, you know, um, environment, whether it's going to work a job somewhere else, there's always reasons. And, you know, I think we have to have honest conversations about the validity of even if, if someone has that opportunity and there is that gap, there is that margin in time that could be used for something. So I think even for the people on the support end, do you want that person, how do you want that person spending their time, right? Do you want them just twiddling their, their thumbs, you know, in their house? 
Um, maybe because other people at work, they can't just cold call and, you know, and just, and maybe operate in a ministry somehow. Maybe it's seasonal. We, you know, we know in Iceland, like, you know, January and February, um, people are not out as much. There's not groups coming because the, the weather's brutal. It's just brutal. And then summertime is hard too, because once that sun hits, like Icelanders are gone. Like they're not coming to church. They're not trying to do any kind of thing. And so we've had those conversations with groups coming in. So I think it's like recognizing, okay, I have this maybe time. I have this gift. I have this opportunity. God, what are you saying? And then how do I step forward um, in honesty and transparency but have a core reason because I think a valid reason is, you know what? I don't want to use support money maybe for this vacation my family needs. I don't want to use support money or maybe even not allowed to use support money for um, birthdays. I don't know, for um, retirement, for, for the future. So how can I then generate income that is can be put aside where then maybe afterwards I have, if I transition from the field, I actually have a cushion to step out with. It, but it also can be that you do need the income. Um, if you're in a country like I am in Iceland, <laughs> you just, you're, you're in shock every time you walk into the store, right? It mm-hmm. is, it, price is horrendous. It's just, it's Europe in general and Iceland is at the peak of, of that. And so, yeah, there are times where it's like, okay, we need to renovate parts of our house. We need to do certain things that maybe the money's not in there for. So if I have the ability using my time wisely to um, do something um, that not only can earn income, but like this was a question my husband um, had. He coached basketball for the first few years and that came with like a small stipend. But even though it came with a small stipend for him, it wasn't even like this income generator. It was ministry. It was, how do I get into the community? Mm-hmm. How do I, am I going to be a part of it? How can I speak into the lives of young people? How can I get to know parents? And that was just a really um, vital part of that process when we first moved. So for, for us, it was like engagement in, in the community. When it comes to writing in books, he's very supportive. He's just like, do it. Who cares what anyone says? And And the thing is, people are usually really excited when I share like, hey, I am writing this thing. People are so happy and and so um, glad about it and all that. So I think when you go off of what the Lord has said, that you can move forward with transparency, you can move forward authentically, and then also be prepared to give your reasons, be prepared um, to to point to, you know, what are these funds going to? What could this stream of income actually free you up to do? Uh, what could it help cushion so that if somebody does drop off that you have that available? I think we have to like speak about those things because it is it is valid. And I think sometimes um, there's certain, certain countries where finances aren't the same for sure, but we sometimes have this perspective that missionaries must suffer. Like you are, like, you know, like you are... You're suffering and that even when you leave that you you continue to struggle because you don't have anything because you gave it all. And that I think that is sometimes a part of it. But I think if the Lord is leading and cultivating something, it's not just about income. It really is about his kingdom and mm-hmm. he's doing something mm-hmm. and he is he is, I think, expanding and bringing territory, even if that's you. Like I think like one of our Bill Ashes members, Ruth, um, you know, making donuts and selling them, you know, um, and also she's written a book as well. So mm-hmm. it, it is about kingdom because you never know the ripple effects of what you step out in. And what a blessing that what you step out in, in this form of kingdom business ministry could also splash back a little bit of income, you know, for you as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know 
So there's a fine line in this conversation between like business as missions and you're actually there fully supported and a gift of yours is overflowing. You know, we know so many people that the only way they can possibly be in the country is they have a platform and they actually get paid and they're working. And and honestly, one of the hardest questions to answer when you're working in a country is, well, what do you do? You know, and if the only thing that you do is, well, I'm here as a missionary, number one, some places that's illegal to say. And number yeah, two, yeah. it's like, so I go to work in a field 12 hours a day just to feed my family and you don't have to do that, but people just pay you to be here to talk to me. You know, like <laughs> there's like this thing. So there's, there are times when there's a platform that enables you to be there. Yeah. And, and I, I guess I want to, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, so for those that are serving on the field who that isn't the case, like they are, they're fully funded. They don't have to work business as missions. And yet this mm-hmm. gift wells up inside of, the wife and it is causing yeah. her some tension, you know, because that's who we are. We are ministering yeah. to women in general. What does it look, what does it look like for you to receive an element of success in a thing that is kind of separate from what your husband does on the field? And how have you navigated that tension? You mentioned he's very supportive of you, mm-hmm. but how have mm-hmm. you navigated, you know, this tension of you achieving success in a separate way from his ministry. Yeah. And I think it's because, you know, I don't know if it's this, this, you know, for other places, but I know my husband recognizes too that, you know, I am in more of this foreign arena. And so recognizing as well that while, and he's, and he's loved to see how God has unfolded part of my heart desires from this place. I mean, and it's honestly been a testimony to like how God's moving, how God's speaking, but he's also seen how the writing in the books has opened the door for ministry, how mm-hmm. it has, you know, affected, you know, other people, how it did open the door for the radio, how a lot of times he has an easier time when people are like, yeah, what do you do? And yeah, if you say missionary here, they're kind of like, I mean, it's like, you know, you know, they're <laughs> back up from us. Mm-hmm. But when he's like, am I watching an author? They're like, oh, so it kind of gives, <laughs> right. <laughs> it gives him something to like tangible to say that, you know, I do now that's, is that all? No, it's not all I do, but just even to say that, you know, even from my maybe 15 minute a day writing, you know, mm-hmm. habits, um, gives, gives an open door for talking, um, and all that. So I think it is, like I said before, it's that foundation of the word, but it's understanding what is the role of that within this household. I know for this season, for instance, um, again, I came from working a lot in a church, but I know that God has called me to, to cover my family well, to cultivate my household well, and to write. Mm-hmm. And because that is towards him first, it is like John 12, three for me. It's Lord, okay, I'm pouring this out over your feet. And where the Bible says that the fragrance filled the room. And even Judas had some words to say, right? Of accusation of kind of stirring this up, like why all this waste? This should have been given to the poor. So imagine that in the context of Velvet Ashes women, you know, across the world. Why are you doing that thing? That seems wasteful. That doesn't seem appropriate. And that should be given to this thing or this project. But again, if we're anchored in what God is saying and we're moving out of the overflow of that, 
then even if we can't see it initially, God is using that for his good, for his glory. He is planting seeds in fields that I think we cannot even comprehend. And there's something beautiful about that trust aspect of sometimes we think, okay, obedience is just what you're laying down, but obedience is also what you're picking up, right? What you're allowing Mm -hmm. God to cultivate. And so knowing that between my husband and I, so there is actually not that tension because um, he sees it and he knows it. And because of that, of us being, you know, if you're married in unity like that, then he can cover it. So when he's talking to other people, he's actually carrying some of that tension for me. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. It's not just me mm-hmm. trying to be like, hey, this is okay. It's okay. No, he's like, no, this is what you're doing. So um, yeah. So even though you were invited to speak, actually, like, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's okay. I can speak instead or or, or whatever. Or like, um, you know, if somebody has something to say, no, this is actually part of what you're you're supposed you're supposed to be doing so that that has that perspective has really shifted over the years and so then there's not tension the tension is always usually within me within the lies that I believe where he's like hey Jenny I need you to you know <laughs> to to just to, to lay that down like like no this is what you're supposed to do so I think for other women I would just encourage um, get in the word get in there and Proverbs 31 was huge for me. Um, cause a lot of times we look at Proverbs 31, we're like, this woman was doing the most, right? She's doing everything. But when you read through it, you see there's so much, um, of the creativity of what she's doing out of the overflow of her, of her arms, you know, what she's planting. Like I love the verse, she considers a field and buys it from her prophet. She plants a vineyard. So you're seeing that she is cultivating something. She's buying it. And from the profits of what she has done, she's planting a vineyard. The vineyard is legacy. The vineyard is something that's going to reproduce and affect and feed other people. And so, and then, you know, and, and just, she makes linen garments and sells them. So there's this level of just beautiful creativity of business of her cultivating that. And so I think the tension maybe a lot of times is within ourselves. There may may be the outward one, but I think if we are anchored, um, whether we have a spouse or not encouraging us, whether we have a team or not encouraging us, if we're anchored in that, then I think God will show us how to navigate that, how how it fits in, and then from the overflow of that, um, uh, the blessing that will be to other people. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, a lot of our community is made up of women who are single as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you have the gift of a husband that you can bounce this off of and ask questions and have him, you know, be that filter for you before you decide to go to that next step, what a gift that is. But for our community that doesn't have that, Mm -hmm. you know, just, it sounds like that piece is, is a pretty important integral part. And so I remember conversations we've had with women in the past um, on past podcasts and leadership who didn't have that built in companion to bounce stuff off of, you know, what they have said is it's so important that you surround yourself with honest friends who you can just sit with and ask these questions. Hey, are you seeing in me what I feel like God is saying to me? And is this next step something that you feel is God honoring as I do? And, and, you know, creating that support system, of people that will carry you through this. If, if our community is list, if people in our community are listening to this today and wondering what that next step is, it feels like what you're communicating is it's important to have those people around you that are mm-hmm. also going to help you carry this, whether you are married or single, you know, if, if it's a gift God has given you surround yourself with people who are being that good mirror for you and, and encouraging you to don't, 
you know, yes, this gift could take on a life of its own, but, but let's, let's right here from the beginning, give it to the Lord and say, let it only move forward if it's, if it's in the way that you want it to move forward. And so I feel like, you know, you having your husband who is helping you make sure that this gift is honoring and being used in the right way is important. And that's a great step, no matter if you're married or single in our community. So, and I think also asking really good questions too, and asking others, maybe if you, there's something that you feel a gifting something cultivate and, you know, and it's worth pursuing for sure. If you feel that stirring, right? Because then if you don't, then keep on going about like what you know is that core reason that you're there. But if something is stirring in addition to that and you haven't been moved off the field, don't feel caught off the field. I think it's okay to ask questions, to look and at the different women who are doing, I mean, there's many, there's some already in my mind I can think of who are operating in this way in their creativity, in their artistry. Um, and it's, and, and using it simultaneously um, on the field. So I think it's really great to ask questions to say, how are you doing it? What has your reception been? And to bounce that off and to get those um, ideas from there, because you know, like we said, like God's called you and you have that within you and he knows exactly who you are. And, um, there's so much opportunity for what you do to blossom into more, you know, and, and that's not why we do, we're not trying to strategize like how we can, but honestly, like in those contexts, like you saw Paul with Priscilla and Aquila, you know, this married couple along with Paul, this single man. And we, I mean, we're talking about Paul, the, you know, who wrote all these letters in, in the gospel, this, this really one of the first missionaries, if you can call it that, call him that this apostle doing all these things yet had those moments where he's sitting and I mean, the Bible doesn't detail the hours he spent doing it, mm-hmm. but where he's sitting and making tents with Priscilla and Aquila, where this relationship probably got cultivated and maybe even started because he's like, hey, I have the same trade you do. Can I join with you guys? And we see then this powerhouse couple begin to develop who were who had a church in their house. And so I think it's that, that connection, that even if it's you know, cross country, right? We have that ability mm-hmm. and the platforms to connect that way, to ask questions and to say, hey, you're doing that. How have you done it? What has it looked like? Um, and maybe that's an opportunity for community that you didn't know you needed and who knows what God will do from that. Mm-hmm. And so I think, mm-hmm. yeah, in those situations where you don't maybe have that spouse or even another team member to bounce it off of, um, I think we have the ability to really ask good questions of people in the community, of Velvet Ashes and people, you know, um, globally uh, that are doing something similar. Well, and and I, I guess I just even want to go back all the way to the beginning of mm-hmm. the stirring in your heart. Mm-hmm. And I'm reminded when my husband and I, we had four kids really close together, and he has always loved to play the guitar and sing and worship. And when our kids were so young that it was overwhelming and he would pick up his guitar and start playing, I would get irritated because I was like, we could, you could give a kid a bath right now. You could do okay. some dishes. You could, you know, and so that's what's, I'm just like, put that thing down. But it was something that the Lord had put inside of him mm-hmm. and it, he did put it down and it, he suffered because of it. And I had to yeah. go back and ask for forgiveness because I'm like, no, I see that that was something the Lord put in you because it helps you to grow closer to him. It it helps develop your spiritual life, pick it back up. And so if you're, you know, I, my word of encouragement, you know, for women who are listening today, is there something you've put down that the Lord actually put in you and it is for your relationship with him. It is for your personal spiritual growth. And maybe it only goes that far. Maybe it's not that there are bigger doors to open. There are 
income, there is income to be generated, you know, but it is just because it's a gift of creativity he put in you and it, and it connects you to him, whether that is singing or creating art or writing or actually organizational leadership. And, you know, like you're really great at finding something that's a mess administratively and, it gives you such joy to see clarity come yeah. to that, you know? And so what, what are those things that it may go no further than that, but then yeah. if it does happen to go further than that, and it comes into this work, God's like, no, I get put this in you because I want you to bless a broader population of people than you even thought you were going to. And, and potentially maybe there's some income generated off of that. You know, there are, there's such a range that, could be what the Lord has for our community listening to this today and just saying that there, there doesn't need to be a box that you put, that you put this in. And, and so I just so appreciate this conversation. I think, I think that the complicated thing comes in for women who, you know, it maybe elevates them to a leader, to a position where it could cause some tension in their marriage as they figure out how do we operate on this platform where now yeah. I'm actually getting some notoriety in this. Number two, generating income and there's complications that could come in that. And how do we do that? Well, and I, I so appreciate what you've spoken into about that, you know, and about just the wisdom of how to do that well from the beginning. And then, you know, number three, just like, Lord, may this just be something that always is about me and you first. And if it ever yes. gets outside of being about me and you first, please help me have people in my life that shut it down, that bring it back to what it was supposed to be. I think that just that, and I would encourage the women, you know, John 12, three, you know, study that story of Mary um, pouring her oil because that's where it's at. And I think having that perspective takes the pressure off, right? Takes the pressure off. What if this could happen? And what if this does this thing? And what if this cause a conflict? Cause listen, I know all those things, um, questions have been haunted by you know for so long. That's what I always go back to because ultimately, Lord, this is me pouring out this administrative gift at your feet, this gardening gift at your feet, you know, this cooking and hospitality gift at your feet, this writing at your feet. That's what you've put it in me. I'm pouring it back on you. And your responsibility is not the fragrance. The, the mm-hmm. Bible says the fragrance filled the room. Your responsibility is not what rooms it fills, not what building, not what business it fills. Mm-hmm. He's responsible for that. And if it stirs up something, that overflow of your worship in that thing, you, as you saw in scripture, Jesus will speak for you and he will take care of it. And I know that seems too simple, but we have to trust as well. If we are putting that out there, trust that God, you're going to give me the words to say, you're going to give me the strategy. You're going to give me the perspective. You're going to give me the wisdom on what's timing and how to honor well and how to maybe say, okay, and and trust that you'll bring it back again. So, but ultimately I love that you said that because that is a core thing. Take the pressure off everything else. It is about him. If he's stirring it up in you, there is something that he's tapping on that he's like, I want to see it. I want to see that beauty out of the ashes. I want to see that thing be cultivated because I put that in you. And so that is a beautiful perspective to have and what we should all be considering in all the work that we do. You know, one of the core things at Velvet Ashes we want to do with our weird name is (laughs) give women the courage to thrive in unlikely places. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this Mm -hmm. conversation has done that. 
And we just hope that the women that are listening today who have been wrestling with this, maybe they didn't even know. Maybe as they've listened today, they realized, Lord, you brought this podcast to my playlist today because you are stirring something in me and it's courage for what you have next for me. And so, Jenny, thank you so much for sitting with us, for sharing and for giving courage for women to live out their story, because that's what we want to do here on the Velvet Ashes Legacy Podcast. So thanks for joining us, Jenny. Thanks everybody for joining us. We love bringing you hope and courage through this podcast, and we hope you found it here today. We'll see you next time.